Philippians chapter 4. I've been here for a while and we'll still be here for a little while longer, but you know, it's God's providence. I planned out this series before the holidays, and then you know how God changed my plans when it came to the holidays. I had planned to start this series the first Sunday of the year, but I was not able to be here the first Sunday of the year, so things kind of slid, and we didn't have, I didn't start the, the series right then. And then a few weeks ago, we were all uh, given that wonderful, wonderful gift on a Saturday of almost two feet of snow. So I had changed what we did on Sunday. And so, but it's God's providence that I would be able to get to this particular characteristic. Think on whatever is lovely the day before Valentine's Day. Because that wouldn't have been the original plan. We have focused so far on the other things that Paul has encouraged this church and encourages us to think and to be mindful of where our minds are. And he says, think on whatever is true, noble, just, and pure. And in going through that, we also understand that the definitions for all those things are not how the world defines truth, not how the world defines what is honorable, not what the world defines what is just, and definitely not what the world defines what is pure. That we look at what the word of God defines as all those things. So Philippians chapter 4, and I'll again read verses 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, which is where we'll be today, whatever things are of good report, whatever, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things, that the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. And again, the end result here is that the God of peace will be with you. So today, in God's providence, we look at thinking on whatever is lovely. And again, our thoughts on February 13th turn to Valentine's Day. Focus is usually... When we talk about this, it's usually on romantic love and those types of relationships and on expressing emotional love and, by extension, physical love. Yet the word that's being translated here in our Bibles for lovely comes from a word that relates closely to deep friendships and family types of love. The word is actually a derivative of the word Philio, which is where we get in English, Philadelphia. So in the original language, we're talking about in its actual form, not so much just the different types of friendships we have, but focusing on what is lovely in a moral and spiritual way. Things that the Lord would see as beautiful, things that the Lord would see as lovely. We live today in a world that constantly sends conflicting messages when it comes to what is lovely or what is beautiful. 
On one hand, the claim is that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, which can be a noble thought. Yet it is clear from our marketing and from our advertising that the world believes a certain thing and a certain way is beautiful. Yet it is also clear from the various images and the various age demographics that the world believes it is only possible to find beauty in a certain way. All the while this conflicting and confusing messages, it is completely focused on the external. We define in this culture beauty and what is lovely completely based on what we see, what's on the outside. And we know the story from 1 Samuel 16 when the prophet was sent to Jesse because Saul had died and the Lord wanted to show uh, the prophet Samuel who would be the next king. And Jesse brought his various sons, not bringing David. And the prophet looked at the first son and said, obviously this young man who is tall and and handsome and seems like a warrior, he's going to be the one that will be king. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature. Because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Aren't you glad for that? For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God's not looking for what Madison Avenue or Park Avenue see as beauty or lovely. He's looking deep within each and every person. So trying to run with this, our world says, okay, great. It's about what's in your heart. So they come up with the notion, follow your heart. As long as your heart is in it, then it's okay. It can be beautiful. If a relationship is filled with love that comes from your heart, then it is lovely. Well, obviously, they read 1 Samuel chapter 16, but failed to read Jeremiah chapter 17, where the prophet says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I've come to the place in my life that for the most part, other than very rare circumstances, telling someone to follow their heart may be the worst advice you can give anybody. The focus of this loveliness that Paul wants the Christians in Philippi to meditate on centers not what on is lovely on the outside or lovely to the human heart, but what is lovely to the spirit of God that he places in every believer. Not just what is pleasing to me, but what is pleasing to God. Not just what is acceptable to me, but what is acceptable to God. Not just what brings me joy, but what brings God joy. And so what pleases God? You ask such great questions. Hebrews chapter 11, let's look at that. Verse number 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith in God is a powerful thing. Faith in God is a life-changing thing. But faith in God is also a thing of beauty. When we see a small child putting their faith in God, that is a thing 
of loveliness. When we see a wife having faith in God to move in her family's hearts, that is a thing of beauty. When we see a group of believers pursuing faith in action to help someone in need, that is a thing of beauty. These are things to meditate on. Not the nonsense you see on the evening news, but we meditate on these things. So in pleasing God, it starts with faith. Yet we in the body need to be reminded in balance, Romans chapter 8, verse number 6 and 7 and 8, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And that word enmity basically means against or hostile toward. It's obvious that we live in a world that is not only disinterested in God and not looking to move toward God, they are hostile toward God and become hostile toward anyone that believes in God. That includes all of us. Coming to God in faith pleases him. Maintaining that relationship by faith also pleases him. But I want to be balanced here. Lest we think that any time in our Christian walk that our standing before him is based on our works. We are righteous before God because of his grace. We are justified before God because of his grace. We are acceptable to God because of his grace, which then I want to end on, we are pleasing to God because of his grace. But pastor, what if I have a really great day in the Lord and I follow him and I'm faithful and I do good works Will that make God happy? Yeah, but then there's tomorrow. Where you'll probably blow it five times. And he will still look on you and smile. By the grace of almighty God. So our works are not to become righteous. Or to become acceptable. Or to become justified. Or to become pleasing. They are a response in being righteous and being acceptable and being justified and pleasing before him because of his grace. And again, the balance. Our conduct matters. Our choices matter. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 1. Finally, brethren, we urge you and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should Abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Our walk can be pleasing to him by the way we live, by the way we treat others, by the way we speak and the things we focus on. And these are the things we think about. These are the things that are lovely in his sight. These things are pleasing to him. These things are lovely. You know, oftentimes when we think of loveliness, we think of a piece of art, something that is so eye-catching or mind-catching that it truly just captivates our attention. Or as I've been watching in the Olympics, the various figure skaters, 
as they have been what looks so effortless, just gliding on the ice and creating these images that are lovely. But as they're moving and creating these images of loveliness, then someone falls. And it doesn't look so lovely anymore. Even when we fall, we can be pleasing to God. Especially if when we fall, we do like those figure skaters. We get back up. We get back up and continue on for God. And to me, probably where I focus most of my attention on what else is lovely, being in his presence. Psalm 84, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God, and the swallow a nest for herself. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my God and my king. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, for they will be still praising you. Selah. Which is a musical term that just means pause. And definitely, we need to pause when we think about the presence of God. Isn't it good to be in God's presence? Isn't it wonderful to just enjoy his presence? There is power in his presence to change lives. There is power when we are able to gather and be in God's presence. There is peace. Ever been in the midst of a situation or season in your life when just it seems everything is going off the rails, where everything seems impossible, yet you come to that place or you gather with a group of believers or you come to his house and a peace begins to descend upon us in his presence. And it's not a peace that's based on the circumstances in our lives. It is a peace, as Paul says earlier in this very same chapter in Philippians 4, that is beyond understanding. Because it's a peace not based on what's going on. It's a peace, a peace based on who is Lord. And Jesus is always Lord, even when it snows two feet. You know, we woke up this morning and I went and looked out and I thought, oh, snow. And then I thought, well, at least it's not two feet. And then I looked at the roads it seems that the roads are more holy than the ground because it's not snowing on the, on, on the roads. It's only snowing on the grass. His peace can really guide our lives and remove the stress and remove the anxiety that has become so common in our day. But not only is there power and peace but there is also beauty and loveliness when we gather in his presence. Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together 
in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon, descending from the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life evermore. It is beautiful when we come together. And thankfully, in 2022, we have the ability to come together in so many different ways. We can come together physically in this building. We can be joined by those who are online with us right now on Facebook Live and who will watch it later. We can gather on Wednesday nights on our prayer line. You can call someone and be together with a believer. We can text one another. We have so many opportunities to be together because God has said it is a beautiful and lovely thing when his people come together. Gathering with other Christians in whatever way we possibly can. Now, many have become disillusioned with the church. And I'm not speaking about the world because the world had its own agenda. So when someone in the world says, I don't, uh, the church doesn't mean much to me. Well, it never meant much to you. So we're not talking about something that is transitioned. But when I hear Christians or talk to believers who have stepped away from gathering with God's people, Many will say, I don't need to get together in any way or shape or form with others to live for God. I don't need to be with God's people. I don't need to gather in some way with Christians, whether it be in a house of worship, whether it be in home for a Bible study, whether it be online or in, in any form. It's not necessary. I can live for God on my own. So much of that can be debated, and since so much of that is not supported by the word of God. But I'm not going to focus on that right now. My encouragement about getting together with God's people, it is lovely when we do so. Getting together with others in the body pleases God, and isn't it our goal in life to please him? Getting together with others in the body of Christ in any way possible also, according to Psalm 133, commands a blessing. A blessing that comes when we dwell together. It brings God joy. Now, there were two images that David gave in that psalm. One of the anointing that ran down on the beard and on the garments of Aaron. That speaks, that picture is of Aaron being consecrated as to be a high priest to do what God called him to do. And what I see there is that when we come together, we encourage one another. We anoint one another to go out and do what God has called you to do. And God has called everybody here to do something. And that blessing, that picture of Aaron being consecrated, happens for each of us when we come together. The other picture that's given in that psalm is of the dew coming from Mount Hermon, from the mountains of Zion. That mountain was the highest in Israel. So the dew was thickest there, and it brought the greatest refreshing and making alive again. And that's what our times together do. They refresh us. 
They allow us to step out of the nonsense that is the daily life in our culture and come together and just renew our strength and renew our joy and become refreshed in the presence of other believers. And oh yeah, it brings God joy. But that's kind of a side issue. We'll just leave that over here. All of these things are things to think about. So when we're having a bad day, and notice I said when, not if, the next time you have a bad day, think on these things. The beauty of coming together. The beauty of being in God's presence. The beauty of just remembering those times, and all of us have them, even if we've been in situations where we've been hurt or mistreated by those in the body of Christ. All of us still have those situations where we can remember times among his people and in his presence where God did something mighty. God did something powerful. And where someone in the body of Christ blessed us in a tremendous way. I've shared about back in 2010 when I lost my job and then in 2011 when I had to live for six months in Wisconsin. Every time I see snow, it reminds me of Wisconsin, which is all Wisconsin is. It's just one blanket of snow. But what I think about when I see the snow and reminded of Wisconsin is there was... It was funny, that winter when I was in Wisconsin, back here on Long Island, y'all had actually more snowfall than we had in Wisconsin. I take full credit for that. And there was one snowstorm that was massive. It was probably over two feet. And at the time... It was my habit if there was a snowstorm, I would go out there and, and shovel snow. But I was in Wisconsin, so I couldn't do that here. And my older son was away at school in Virginia. And my younger son, Peter, was six or seven. Ten, something like that. He was little. So what to do? And the morning after that massive snowstorm, my wife wakes up, and our entire driveway and walkway is shoveled clean. We call them our snow angels. Someone came and just blessed us, blessed my family while I was away. I'm sure, I'm fairly sure, because most people knew of my situation, it was somebody in the body of Christ to this day who I don't know who it is. But that church is lovely. So when I think of snow, as much as I detest moving it, <laughs> I like seeing it. I don't want to move it. I think about those snow angels and how they blessed my family when I was about a thousand miles away. Think on these things. Not when you hear the weather report and they forecast 20 inches of snow and you think, oh, man. 
whose idea was snow anyway? Well, it's God's idea, but... Think on these things. Meditate on these things. Placing our faith in him pleases him. Not trusting in our own works to be acceptable and righteous before him pleases him. Being in his presence pleases him. And being in his presence with others pleases him. These are all wonderful things to focus our mind on. But they're not just wonderful. According to the scriptures, they're lovely. They're lovely. And that's what I want to focus on as we approach Valentine's Day. How lovely is God's presence? Because that's something everyone can enjoy. Stand with me, please.